you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. message tonight. Um, I feel like that's where the Lord wants us right now. Um, turn back over to the book of Philippians. Uh, where's where we're going to continue to be at. Uh, Philippians chapter number two. And uh, I hope you studied the book of Philippians this week. I'm telling you, I've had a blessing studying it. I, um, there's certain passage, there's certain scriptures um, out of our Bible uh, that stick out up front than others. Or they stick out more than others. Um, um, I think of, of Ephesians 1. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 2 sticks out. Psalms 23. Uh, John 3.16 is probably one of the most quoted verses of, of all time. Uh, even, even lost people, don't uh, they quote that verse. And a lot of people know those stories. We know the stories that, that involve Revelation. But you know what? I believe that this passage of Scripture in, in Philippians chapter number 2, I do believe that it ties into one of those famous scriptures. Um, I think it, it should be tied into it. It's deep. There's a lot of truths uh, uh, right here in, cha- in verses 5 through verses number 11 of Philippians chapter number 2. And I'll let you remain seated uh, for the reading of God's words. But um, uh, uh, Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 5, the Bible says this. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of, him, of, of man. And being, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of the things in heaven, and the things in earth, and the things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, uh, the Father. Uh, And you can go on and read, and there's even deeper truths right after this. But uh, if I read any further, I'll get bogged down and won't be able to get to where I want to get tonight. Um, But uh, I love this passage of Scripture. And last week, um, I began and gave you an introduction to the book of Philippians and to the life of Paul and kind of tried to get our mindset on what Paul's mindset was here. And I hope that that was a blessing to you. Um, I, I, I really do hope that it, that it was a help to you. And I'm not going to take time to really go back over it. But I, 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 we looked, and I'll give you this, we did look at the very end of last week very quickly. Um, I, we looked at Paul's dilemma and that he was in a great, tw- a great strait. Um, he had the desire to live and a desire to go to heaven. He had the desire to go see his heavenly father and he had a desire to go work for his heavenly father. And so there was a dilemma that he had. And Paul had a desire. 
in his Christ, and, to, and God, Paul had a desire in his heart, and that was to be with Christ. He had that desire, and we should all have that desire. And we see Paul's dilemma and Paul's desire, and then we saw Paul's debt. He realized that Jesus Christ paid a debt on the cross, and that his will was greater than our will. His will was greater than our wants. So many times I think we forget that, that Jesus' will is greater than our wants. There's so many times that our wants are so high that we forget God's will. And we'll get caught up in a good thing and miss the best thing. Uh, there, there's a lot of things in this world that's not quote-unquote sin. Uh, uh, it's not, it's not this, this, this horrible uh, sin that, 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 that we can get ourselves caught in. Um, it's, it's stuff that is just... Uh, uh, that will take the place and become an idol in our life. If there's something in your life that keeps you from getting closer to God, and it may not be a sin, but it may be an idol. Uh, can I, I, I'll give you an example of this. I've got to be careful with my love for sports because my love for sports can become an idol in my life. There was a time in my life, I'm here to tell you, I idolized Peyton Manning. If it was, and if y'all don't know who Peyton Manning is, you need to just need to come up to the altar and get saved right now. Uh, he's just the greatest quarterback that ever, that ever laced shoes. That's just the truth. And we ain't going to argue. It's like, it's like the argument of Ford and Chevy. I mean, there is no argument, <laughs> Brother Vince. You missed it last week. That is two Wednesday nights in a row that I've made a Ford and Chevy. Did you tell him what I said? I said, I said, I said if I had it my way and if I was the Lord, somebody come in, you know, the way he, he would have came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, I would have came, came with an iron fist and I would have rode a Chevrolet out of heaven. I said, I, and I, then I told the church, and I told everybody that was here, I said that Brother Vince wanted to be like Christ. He likes them Fords. He wants to walk everywhere he went, everywhere he goes. He's trying to be like Christ. And uh, <laughs> I thought you would like that. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Uh, uh, but anyway, there was a time in my life where I literally idolized him. I had a blanket in my room that was tacked on my wall. You can ask, she was my girlfriend at the time. She saw it, uh, my wife of this big Peyton Manning blanket, Brother Vance. I'm telling you, it was huge. Uh, my, my quilt on my bed, Miss Michelle, was Colts. My pillows, Colts still has one, that was Colts. I had, I mean, I'm telling you, I lived in, I could tell you, I could tell you, the, I could almost tell you what Peyton Manning weighed when he was born. Uh, I knew his height, I knew his weight, I knew where he grew up, I knew his mom and daddy. Did y'all know there's a third brother? His name's Cooper. The, uh, he, he actually uh, uh, had a disease and wasn't able to play football. Probably more athletic than both of his other two brothers. Uh, um, his daddy played, and I'm, I'm telling you, I knew everything. I knew his career stats. I could spit them off to you. How many career yards did he have? I just throw them out there. I'm telling you, I idolized the man. And you know what? My, I had to be careful with that and had to reel that in because that became an idol in my life. Football became an idol in my life. Can I tell you what will happen over the next couple of weeks? I've got to be careful or baseball will become an idol in my life. Uh, NASCAR can come about an idol in my life. You see these things, they're not sin. There's nothing wrong with watching baseball. There's nothing wrong with watching football. There's nothing wrong with watching NASCAR. Um, but what the problem is is when that consumes you so much that it takes you away from the Word of God, it takes you away from the things of God, it becomes an idol. And that's what this world has turned things in. But Paul realized all that. And so tonight I want to look at more deeply into this, uh, the, the form uh, of a servant. The form uh, of a servant. He said this, he said, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant. I, I thought about that for a minute. 
And this just, this little thought right here just came to me. Like, I mean, it just seemed like a ton of bricks. You think about this. He put on the form of a servant. In his godly form, yes, he came down as man, but he had to put this on. Uh, I thought about this. I put a shirt on today. That means I had to take my head. I got a big old noggin. I had to take my head and put it through a shirt and had to put it on. There was some effort that went behind it. He had to put on the arm of a servant. What I'm trying to get at here, church, is realize this. That Jesus leaving the ivory palaces of heaven, yes, he's all-knowing God. Yes, he's the creator of the whole earth. But it was not easy. There was some work that went behind him putting on the form of a servant. It was not easy. It was a job to be done. Yes, he was still God, but understanding what he was having to do. When he put on that form of a servant, he was accepting the fact that he would have to go to a cross and he would have to die a death that he did not deserve. And he was going to have to suffer being separated uh, from God the Father. He was going to have to suffer that. So he understood all that. I was reading on, on being a servant. And, there's a, there, and, and I'm, I'm very hesitant to even give this preacher's name because I don't want you to go find his stuff and you'll realize who I read after a lot. Um, but I'm going to give it to you, hoping you forget about it. Uh, because you're gonna hear, you'll probably hear some quotes from him in the future. His name is C.H. McIntosh. Uh, he was a preacher. I don't even know what year he was born or when he died, but I know it was years ago. And he died, and, and he had written, he written nothing. He wrote nothing. And after he died, his wife took all of his writings and put them together in different books. And now there, there, there's... I ain't giving you the website. I about did. There's a website you can go to, that you, and you can go look for it, but you're going to have a hard time finding it. But... You can go look for it, and you can find his complete works of C.H. McIntosh. You can find it. And he, he wrote something on the servant. And I want to give you this. I thought this was interesting. He said this. He said, The all-important thing for every true servant is to be found exactly where his master would have him. The question is not, am I doing a great deal of work, but am I pleasing my master? I, I may seem to be doing good wonders in the way of work. My name may be herald to the ends of the earth, as a most laborious, devoted, and successful workman, and all the while I may be in an utterly false position, indulging my own unbroken will, pleasing myself, seeking some personal end or object. And he's talking about being a servant. He's saying being a servant is not just about working for the Lord and saying and getting your name in lights. It's not about that. It's about hum- uh, he t- Jesus took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He, became, he had to become unknown to become known. You think about that for a minute. He, he came here unknown, but now he's known. But, and he's talking about putting on the form of service. I want to look tonight, before I get too far into this and get too distracted and sidetracked, I want to look at a few things, and I'm going to answer three questions. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. I'm going to answer the question of what is a servant. Then I'm going to answer the question of what keeps us from being a servant. And I'm sorry, this is not alliterated. But what is a servant? What keeps us from being a servant? And then here's what I'm going to preach on my last point. What are you going to do with the time that is left? I'm going to let you answer that one. I'm going to answer, I guess I should have said I'm going to answer two questions, but then you're going you're to have to answer that one on your own. And you're going to have to work in your own heart on that one. But here we go. What is a servant? What is a servant? The Greek word for, a, uh, for servant is a, is a word that means slave. And this is what I thought was interesting about that. There is a no different word for a slave, whether it be a voluntary slave or an involuntary slave. The word for this, it's the same word no matter how you look at it. Uh, we look at, when we think of slavery, we think of 
think of the, one, the ones that were beaten, you know, the ones that were chastised, the one that was forced to do labor uh, for their master. Uh, we don't think of a godly servant, but a godly servant is a voluntary servant. You know what, and I'm going to just say this about a servant. You, when you serve, you're volunteering your time for the Lord. Uh, I think so many times that we do things to look for something. We do, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we do things to, to want something in return, and that's not what a true servant is. Now I want to look at a couple things right here about a servant. What is a servant tonight? A servant, number one, is someone that serves with absolute obedience. Someone who serves with absolute obedience. Jesus said this, and and John records it in chapter 5, verse 30. He says, I I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Jesus is telling us here that he's not seeking his own will. He's not seeking his own desire. Because you've got to understand, when Jesus put on the form of a servant, when he put on mankind, he was tempted in all like manners as we are. He was tempted in every way just like we are. That means the same desires that we have, he had. The same thoughts that we have, he had. The same things that went through his mind in a day, is the same things that go through our mind in a day. But he done it without sin. He done it without, with, with, without sinning. He, was a, he lived a perfect 33 and a half years. Never one time was sin in his life. If he sinned one time, the blood would not be sufficient. But he never did sin. He, he took on the form of a servant, and it was obedient to the Father. He had absolute obedience. He said, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father. Look right here. What is a servant? A servant is someone that served with absolute obedience. But a servant is also someone that serves without being asked. Without being asked. That's simple, ain't it? I, I, thought, I ain't going to be deep tonight. It's going to be simple. Someone that served without being asked. Jesus, when he washed the disciples' feet, is one of the, the greatest moments in the life of Jesus, in my opinion. He, he, he was washing the disciples' feet. And, and I've said this before, that foot washings is not, a, is not an ordinance of the church. I think a lot of people get that misconstrued. It's not an ordinance of the church. If you want to practice it, you can practice it. I just don't want you touching my feet. I don't want to kick somebody in the nose. Uh, my feet are ticklish. But if you want to practice it, you practice it. But, that, but, but it's not an ordinance of the church. Understand that. But when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, the one thing that he wanted to get for us to get out of this, the one thing that he wanted us to see was that he saw a job that needed to be done, and he done it. He, didn't, he wasn't asked to do it. You know, nobody came in the upper room that day and said, Jesus, will you wash my feet? Will you wash my feet? Will you wash my... Will you do... The, the, one of the servants that was there didn't say, I'm too tired today. You know, I've worked, and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just warded out, and I can't do it. Will you do it for me? Not one time. Jesus saw that there needed to be a job to be done. Jesus saw a job that needed to be done, and he done it. You know, he didn't have to be asked. Uh, you know, some, so many times when we want to serve, we, we want somebody to, to ask us to do it so that we get the recognition. And I'm going to get into that in a minute, too. But um, he, he done it without being asked. Jesus didn't have to be asked. He washed the disciples' feet. Jesus saw that there was a need, and he did it. Jesus didn't wait until everyone was watching. That was another point. You read that passage of Scripture, you'll find out he never waited till everybody was watching. When the time came to wash their feet, he just washed their feet. He just got down, he grabbed a towel, and girded himself. 
and began to wash their feet. He didn't need any recognition. There was one writer that wrote that said this, the room, and I like this, so y'all listen to this carefully. The room was filled with proud hearts and dirty feet. The disciples were willing to fight for a throne, but you never see them fighting for a towel. You never see them fighting for a towel. They would have fought for a throne. What, what over there when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was fixing to be taken by the Roman guards, what'd Peter do? He grabbed that sword and chopped that ear off of that Roman soldier's head. Chopped it off. I mean, I can't fathom that. I can't, I can't, I can't fathom it. But he reached and grabbed his sword. The moment that, it, that, uh, that Brother Grady, that he was in need of that is a moment. He was ready to fight. But can I tell you when God needed him more was right here to wash the disciples' feet. What would it be like in the life of Peter if he would have beat Jesus to Judas' feet? You know, you ever thought about that? What if he would have beat him to that feet? What, what if he would have raced him to it? But you never see in the scripture, you never see one time them fight for a towel. You know what? Well, uh, uh, this, is, this is quite comical, but um, if, if we were to uh, put a... Uh, put a sign-up sheet out there for cleaning the church and you was responsible for one part of the church. I don't know how many people would rush to the toilet bowl cleaner. Who was going to grab the toilet bowl cleaner? You know, I don't know who many people would rush to that. But that's the jobs that God would want us to do. He, he, he sought the, the dirtiest jobs. He sought them. Look right here. He said, uh, talking about a form of a servant, someone that serves with absolute obedience, someone that serves without being asked, but also someone who served without expecting anything in return. Jesus served many people who did not offer anything to him in return. The uh, true servants of God serve without expecting anything in return. God's servants that, they, that does not ask, what is in it for me? God's servants don't ask what's in it for me. They just do it. They just do it. You know, there's sometimes you, we just, I preach a message on just do it. Nike had it figured out when they wrote their little check mark and they said, just do it. Can I tell you what, how many Christians of us around here tonight, what we need to do? We need to just do it. You know, I, I've, been, I've been slow about doing a lot of things. I've been, really, I've been really hesitant on pushing a strong visitation program. And we're going to get to that point, I promise. But I've been, I've been going really, really slow at that because, you know what, I don't want to burn anybody out. But I've talked about it enough. It's time that we quit talking about it, and it's time that we do it. It's time that we get out there and see our community. I could come in here in this pulpit and preach that we be faithful to the house of God. And I could preach on being faithful to reading your Bible. And you can sit back there and raise your hand and you can say amen. Uh, but it's time that we quit just saying amen. Uh, it's time that we get out and just do it. It's time that we quit just saying, oh, I will one day and just do it. That's where we're at. Though. We just need to just do it. I was thinking about a, uh, this, this a situation came up at work not long ago about throwing some documents away. And there was a guy, he was scared to death throw documents away. And I get it, I mean, you throw them away, they're permanently gone, whatever. I don't understand all that. You scan them into a computer, they're there. If you need to print them, just go over there and reprint them. I promise you, they ain't going to notice if you printed it in 2023 or if you printed it in 1992. They ain't going to notice a difference, maybe. But, but anyway, uh, I, I, we, had, we had pure permission to throw this away. And we got into a situation where are we going to throw it away or are we going to not? And I just looked at the guy and I said, we're either going to do it or I'm going to work on something else. You know, I'm to that point. Uh, I got, we got to that point about we're, we're fixing to renovate at work. Uh, they're fixing, uh, uh, here's your tax dollars, uh, uh, Surrey County. Uh, we're, about to, we're about to do a million dollar upgrade on our health department. 
And I don't know how people know that or not, but it was passed, and we're about to do it. And uh, we're moving some stuff around, and, and you know what? They keep saying, well, we need, to, we need to do this, and we need to do that. And I'm saying, we can have meetings until we're blue in the face. It's time for us just to do it. I'm tired of sitting in here talking about what we're going to do. Let's just do it. And you know what? We can, I, I, I don't know why God's got me stuck on this. We just need to do it. Whatever God has called us to do, we just need to do it. Can I tell you what God's called you to do? Read your Bible. Just do it. God's called you to pray. Just do it. We can have all, and I love the script. Don't, don't, don't take what I'm about to say wrong, honey. I love the women's scripture memorization verse, but how many times can you pick up that paper and say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm excited. Look, I, mm, I can't wait to get home to read the first scripture, and maybe the first couple of days we're on fire, and the next couple of days it just dwindles out. If you'll just have that mentality of just do it, and let's just do it, it'll probably change some things. Talking about being a servant tonight. What is a servant? What is a servant? I think we answered that pretty good. Let's look at number two tonight. This is really where I wanted to spend the majority of my time, but I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, I'll pay attention to the clock. What keeps us from being a servant? What keeps us from being a servant? And I really started studying this, and I really started looking into this, and there was one thing that kept coming to my mind. It's our flesh. Let me tell you what keeps you from being a servant. It's your flesh. Um, the, let me, the, when you get saved, God saves you, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. There's nothing in there that says when he saves you, he takes away your sin nature. That sin nature still lives inside of you. You say, are you not talking about being a servant? The Bible says this about sin. For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So that means if you, if you think that you should do it, you think that it's good to do and you don't do it, guess what? That's sin. And God labels it very clearly, it's sin. And it's time that we realize that. But what keeps us from doing all that? It's our flesh. Our flesh is weak. And when I think about this, I can't help but think about the Apostle Paul. Turn over with me to Romans chapter number... Uh, Romans chapter number... Uh, uh, hang on, I'll get out in just a second. Romans chapter number 6. I'm sorry, Romans chapter number 7. I knew I was wrong, but I couldn't get it right. Romans chapter number 7. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture here um, for the next couple of minutes about the tug of war between holy living and worldly living. What I'm talking about is that, is that tug of war between uh, Satan and God. And a lot of times we catch ourselves as the rope. We got Satan pulling on one end saying, no, you're okay, just do this. And we got God on the other end who's saying, just come to my way. Come my way. You, and it's always feel like we're stuck, we're just pulled back and forth. And we're pulled between knowing that we need to do good, but then not doing good. And, and knowing that we shouldn't be doing this, but yet we do it anyway. And, and we're constantly in the tug of war. There's days in our life where we lean more toward Christ. And then there's days that we lean more toward the world. And it's just a constant battle. It's a constant mindset. I heard this quote one time, and I like it. Opportunity knocks once. But temptation is beating on my door all day. Opportunity knocks once, but temptation is beating on my door all day. And that's what I'm talking about is that battle between knowing what you need to do, knowing that this is the right thing, but yet giving in to the flesh and letting the flesh win. I wish I could think about tonight of, of how many parents are probably sitting on a ball field tonight. And it's just, it just I'm, I'm running into one of my cousins up the road, and he's going to, he ain't in church anyway, but still... He was going to a, to a track meet tonight, and I was sitting there thinking, man, 
20 years ago, your mama wouldn't let you do that. You'd be in church. Uh, there'd be no doubt, a doubt, about, doubt about it. The doors of the church was open. You'd be there. Um, and, and I just, I, I thought about that and, and, and different things like that. And I just think about, I wonder how many parents are sitting on a ball field and they say, you know, I really probably should not have been here tonight. I should have been at church. I know it's good to go to church, but yet to see my young on the ball field, living out my dreams. Can I just be real? That's what they're doing. So many times we let our youngins try. We're trying to live our dreams throughout our youngins, but it's our flesh tonight. Look right here. I want to give you a couple of things about the flesh. Look at the personality of the flesh. The personality of the flesh tonight, number one, it's deceitful. Let me tell you what your flesh will do. Your flesh will lie to you. Now, I tell you this, and, and, and I don't, don't fall out on me when I say this right here, but this flesh is not saved. My soul is saved. The inner man is saved. But this outer man, it's still got the world. There's going to come a day when I get my glorified body. Then my outer man will be glorified in heaven with the Father. But this outer body, this outer shell that I carry, it loves the things of the flesh. It loves the desire of the flesh. You say, I'm not like that. What's your favorite drink? What's your favorite snack? Try to cut it out for a week. That was a, that's a, try to do this right here. I guarantee you, you lo, you're in love with hot water. Go turn your hot water off. Turn your hot, 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 hot water heater off for a week. You change your mind about some things. You'll realize that your flesh is weak. You'll realize how weak your flesh truly is. And it's because our flesh is not saved. It's deceitful to lie to you. Look right here, your, your flesh, you better be careful because it's deadly. Your, fle your flesh is deadly. And your flesh is, will, will take you down a path, if you follow the desires of your flesh, it'll take you down a path that you can't get out of. It'll take you down a path that you'll never find the will of God in. It's, it's deceitful, it's deadly. But look right here, it's depleting. It's depleting. And what I mean by that is your flesh is slowly eating away at your spiritual walk. Let me tell you why we don't do what we're supposed to do for God. It's because our flesh is eating away at our spiritual walk with Christ. It's, it's, it's all, we, we, we all look at this and we, we tell the, uh, I forget which denomination it is, it's, uh, that believes you can be saved on good works and, and that at the end of their life they, they believe that all their works are going to be put on a ballast and, they're, and if, it, if it tilts one way or the other, it depends on where they're going. Uh, and that's just a bunch of hogwash is all it is. But we, a lot of times we look at that and, and think, but you know what, sometimes we should put our, our works on a scale. No, it's not, one of, it's, it's not what's going to get us to heaven, but you know what it may do? It may show us where we're missing God at. How much this week have you served God? How much have you served your flesh? Just think about that for a minute. If we were to put a scale up here, right in the middle of the church for everybody to see, and everything that you've done for God went on this side, and everything that you've done that, got, that was pleasing to the flesh went on this side, it's hard to say that anybody's scale would be equal. It's hard to say. It's probably, if your scale's like mine, you probably have fed your flesh more than you have fed your spirit this week. That's probably where a lot of us missing it at. Why are we not closer to God than we should be? It's because we're feeding our flesh and we're starving our spirit. 
Our spirit, you know what I tell you what happens on Sundays after after I know I keep talking about that service on Sunday, but man, it was great. Uh, it's one of those things, Miss Michelle, you pray for over and over again. Uh, Miss Minor, you, you long for those services, and you need those services. And, and after a service like that, man, you're on fire. Your flesh just is, is on us. You're living on a spiritual high. You ever, you ever went without a certain drink or a certain snack for a certain amount of time? And then when you went back to that snack that very next time, man, it just it felt like it, like a Snickers. Um, you ever, y'all remember those commercials? You're not acting like yourself, eat a snicker. Eat a cha- Sometimes you, you lay off of them for a little while, then go back to them. You'll understand what I'm saying. That you get that, that bolt of energy. That I, 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 was, we left work, I left work today and, and we're moving people. I felt like I've moved 1,400 desks in the last two days. I mean, I, I can't get our maintenance guys. They're all, and I, I don't blame them. They're all up in years. I'll just say that. They're all a little older. They, they, they just they, they can't move around like they once did. And that's just our maintenance crew. I don't know what's going to happen when they all retire at the same time, and there ain't nobody there to do it. Um, I guess I'll do it, but uh, I started moving desks. I saw a need that needed to be done. I just done. I just started moving the desk. And you know, I was wore out, and I left work tonight. And, but, and I was thirsting. I'm talking thirsting to death. Didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't. I moved my office, and I don't know where nothing is on the other end of the building. Uh, I'm in a completely different building than what I was. And I, and I can't find the drink machines. I can't find water fountains. And I was about to thirst to death. I'm telling you, Brother Grady, I was, this is, this is it. I'm going to fall out right here in a minute. And my wife, I said, I'm going to stop by the store and get me something to drink. I went in the store and there got me a Gatorade. I'm telling you what, Gatorade would change your life. A blue Gatorade. Somebody say, Amanda, a blue Gatorade. And then I got me this right here. This is it, a Reese's Fast Break. That right there, then my Miss Dana, she's done shaking her head back there. She knows where them are at. And I did not, you know, I didn't why they even sell them little ones. I didn't go for the little one. I went for that king size. Let me tell you what happened coming up a road. I got a shot of energy, man. I felt like I could take on Mount Everest tonight. I was ready for it. And that's what happens so many times. We have a spirit, we have a service like that. And we get that shot in the arm. We get that energy shot. And come Monday morning, man, we're living on cloud nine. It's because we fed our flesh on Sunday. I know it seems like sometimes it's our duty to come to church on Sunday. But can I tell you what you do? You feed your spirit when you come to church on Sunday. You are feeding your spirit. Let me tell you what we need to do. We all need to make our spirit uh, uh, fat. Tell you what, we need to just come feed our spirit. Let our spirit just get fat and watch what happens. Watch what happens when we fill up our spirit on the things of Christ. I see the personality of flesh is deceitful, it's deadly, it's depleting. But look right here, look at the popularity of the flesh. The flesh is popular, listen to this, because it will disguise what God has done for you. If you ain't careful, your flesh will disguise what God has done for you. When I got to studying this and I was looking at this, man alive, I was thinking how many people... Do I know today that I know they got saved? I know that night they got the goods in the altar. I know that morning they got the goods in the altar. But, and I believe they're saved, I do. But because of sin and because they fed their flesh, the, what God has done for them is now disguised. I, I'm going to say this, and I don't believe I'm, I'm wrong by saying this. It was a Christian school that got shot up in Nashville. It ain't a doubt in my mind that girl got saved when she was little. But because she's fed her flesh, I can't say she got saved, but let's just say she did. 
She has fed her flesh to the point that she no longer looks like a Christian. Sin, the weight of the world, everything that's happened in her life, her life, y'all get that in a little bit, it was her life. She can change anything she wants to, she's still a her. Uh, it's, it's her life, but she fed the flesh so much now that what God's done in her life, it is now disguised, and she looks like straight sin. And that's just, that's just an example because it's, it's hot news right now. But I think about others. There's plenty of people right now that come to my mind. I think of a man right now that was under the same preaching I was under, stood under the same man of God that I stood under, learned from the same Sunday school teachers that I learned from. But yet, I hear him say things, and I see him do things, and yes, he may put on a suit and tie every Sunday morning. He's disguised what God's done for him. He's disguised. I'm going to tell you what these churches do, that take away the Word of God. They take out the Word of God and replace it with a light show. They take out the preaching of the Word of God. God still shows through the foolishness of preaching. Let me tell you what's happened in those situations, and in those things, they're disguising what God has truly done for them. It's a disguise. That's what the flesh will do. It's popular because uh, the flesh, it, it, you got to be careful because the popularity of it will cost you the dignity that's in the world. You know, they're, they're, the Christianity has a dignity. There's a dignity about Christianity. And our flesh, it's popular to lose that dignity. It is popular to lose your standards. It is popular to drop your standards. Can I hear to tell you, I'm still strong. I, I'll be, I, I, you put me in my grave carrying a King James Bible. Put me in my grave singing songs out of a red back church hymnal. I, we sung that song tonight. I was going to say it earlier and I didn't. We sung that first song tonight, Victory in Jesus, and I was as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof because I can't stand leading songs like that. I just can't do it. I, 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 we get through it, and that's all it does. Brother, you know what I'm saying. It's hard without a piano player. It's tough. Lord will help, we'll get through it. But I was reading. I had to, I was, and that's why I mixed the words up. I was look, I, one, I was looking for another song, and two, I was reading everything else around it. Do you realize that song, Victory in Jesus, was wrote in 1939? 1939, and it is still as popular today as it was then. It still speaks to the heart like it does then. I, I love, I, I do, I've listened to contemporary gospel music in my life. I have. I thought at one point it was the way to go. But let me tell you something. There are songs that were written in the early 2000s that when I play today, it don't have that same power as it did. It's because it's feeding the flesh. When you feed the flesh, you will, you will continue to need that. I talked about eating that, that fast break. Let me tell you something about eating a fast break. What it'll cause? It'll make you want another fast break. Let me tell you what it'll do. It'll make you want another fast break. You eat, you say, well, I'm just going to eat three in a day. You eat three in a day, better check your sugar, first of all. But you eat three in a day, guess what's going to happen the next day? You're going to want at least three more. What I'm saying is, is when we feed the flesh those bad things and we feed those flesh the things that it don't need, it still desires those. It wants those. It continues to need those. Let's move on right here. I'm going to look right here. The performance of the flesh. When the flesh has all power uh, in the Christian, that Christian will find it hard to do that which is good. You can read Romans chapter number 8, verses 18, 18 and 19. And, and really, if you look right here in Romans where I really wanted to get to tonight, and I didn't get as far as I wanted to, but I want you to look at something. If you've if you got your Bibles, I want you to look at it. 
Uh, look down through there. Just glance over verses 7 to 25. Just kind of glance over there. All right? In verses 14 through 25. Verses 14 through 25. All right, look at those now. There is a personal pronoun I mentioned 38 times. No less than 38 times. Unless I missed one here or there. No less than 38 times there's a personal pronoun of I mentioned there. What's Paul dealing with here? He's dealing with sin. And what does he say right here? He says, I am the problem. What is at the heart of every sin is the letter I. How do you spell sin? S-I-N. N. However you make an N. I can't draw an, air, an N in the air. What is at the heart of every sin is I. Let me tell you why I sin. I it's not my wife's fault that I sin. It's not my children's fault that I sin. It's not anybody else's fault but mine. I made that decision to sin. So many times when we make mistakes, when we sin, we start looking around at everybody else's faults, trying to make ourselves feel better. It's what we do so many times. Well, we need to stop doing that and realize that it's ourself that needs to get right. God said, if you'll call, if you'll call on me, and, and, or let me get the right verse. He said, if, you, if you've got their sin in your life and you'll ask me and you'll, you'll ask forgiveness of that sin, I'll be faithful to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that, there's a lot of you's in that. You see there, God's saying it's you is the problem. So I want to look at this right here lastly. What are you going to do with the time that you've got left? 